church. Welcome. You know, we come into this place with all sorts of different circumstances in our lives, different uh, joys and pains and trials and difficulties. And so um, let's begin our time of worship together, um, calling one another to worship from God's word and encouraging one another. Would you stand to your feet? We're going to read from Isaiah 54. We're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read verse 1, 4, and 5, and verse 10. And let's just take this opportunity to encourage each other to, to persevere, to, to sing, to rejoice, because we have much to be rejoicing in. Let's read this together. Rejoice, childless one, who did not give birth, burst into song and shout, you who have not been in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Do not be afraid, for you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will no longer remember the disgrace. Indeed, your husband is your maker. His name is the Lord of armies, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of the whole earth. And then verse 10. Though the mountains move and the hills shake, my love will not be removed from you, and my covenant of peace will not be shaken, says your compassionate Lord. And let's sing the good news of that truth and continue to encourage each other with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Come, people of the risen King, let's sing this out together. Come, people of the risen King, who delight to bring Him praise. Come all and tune your hearts to sing to the morning star of praise. From the shifting shadows of the earth, we will lift our eyes to Him. Where steady arms of mercy reach, Rejoice, church! Rejoice, rejoice, let every tongue rejoice. One heart, one voice, the church of Christ
from every land, men and women of the faith. Come those who fold our empty hands, find the riches of His praise. Over all the world His people sing, shore to shore we hear them call. The truth that cries through every age, our God is all. praise and heartfelt thanks and and love because he is good and he is great and he has loved us dearly let's continue in worship together sing this together oh lord my god in our in awesome wonder Consider all the worlds thy hands have made. I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul. Savior God to me, how great thou art, how great thou art, and sings my soul, my Savior God to me, how great thou
Welcome to Hebron Baptist Church. We exist to glorify God by inviting every person to take their next steps toward Christ. My name is Alan, and it's so great to join with you all in worship today. Thank you so, so much for being here with us. If you are a guest here today, we want to extend a special welcome to you. Whether you're here in person or you're with us online, thank you for coming. We're so glad that you are here with us today. 
and we would love to get to know you. One way we can do that is through a Connect card. That's a card that's in the back of the seat in front of you. If you would pull that card out and fill that card out, that would let us know how we can be praying for you and serving you. Then after service, if you exit through our back central doors and turn left, you'll see our next steps desk. There you can turn that card in, meet someone who would be happy to answer any questions that you may have, and also give you a free gift. So welcome to our guests. We're so glad that you're here today. Well, we are just one week away from our annual Trunk or Treat event. This is a great outreach where we get to share the, the love of Christ with our neighbors, with families. So please come next week. It'll be from 4 to 6 p.m. here at the church. Please invite your, your friends, your neighbors with kids, anybody. It's such a great opportunity to share the love of Christ. If you could help us by either donating candy or bringing your car here and decorating it for that event, that would be a huge help. So that'll be next week, October 30th. All right, we're going to transition now to a moment of prayer. As we do, I invite all of us to prepare our hearts for our act of worship through giving later in the service. Would you please pray with me? Good morning, Father. Lord, how great you are. Thank you for another day that you've given us life and the ability to say those words, to praise you, how great you are. What a great Heavenly Father you are to us. And Lord, today we lift up to you our church's core value of intentional discipleship. Great Heavenly Father, we desire that you would make us more and more like Christ, that you would shape us and disciple us. And thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to not do that on our own, but with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you, Lord, that you give us each other so that we can sharpen each other, encourage each other, love each other, that we would be discipled, that each day you would make us more and more like your son. We pray that you would do that here among us, Lord. We ask for your blessing upon our discipleship groups, our, our D groups, these small groups that meet for that very goal, that we would love each other and sharpen each other, keep each other accountable, that each day, each week, we would look more and more like Christ. Lord, this morning we pray not only for ourselves, but we lift up to you our ministry partners, Chris and Rhonda Richard. Thank you for this amazing couple and for their sweet daughters, Hannah and Kenley, who have heard and obeyed your call to international missions from our local body here. Thank you for the Richard family serving you in Argentina. We continue to pray for them. We, Lord, we ask that you would pour out your blessing on the Richard family upon their ministry. We pray, Lord, that you would bless a church planting movement to begin in their city, asking that they would be a central part of that. Please bless this family as they continue to learn the language. We pray that it would become more and more second nature, and that as they learn the local language, that they would connect more and more with their neighbors, with friends, Lord, that you would allow them to make connections with others that would lead to gospel uh, conversations and gospel choices, to lives being changed. We pray for Hannah and Kenley, Lord, as they're continuing to grow in a new environment. We pray you'd bless them there. We also pray for Rhonda. She's experienced some migraines recently. Please bring healing to her. Lord, we ask your blessing and protection on the Richard family. Lord, we pray for this outreach, this trunk or treat outreach coming up next week. We just surrender this event to you. We pray your Holy Spirit would cover that, that you would be at work preparing hearts even now of, of guests, of neighbors who may come, and we ask that you would prepare our hearts as well, that we would be ready to share your love in that opportunity. Please bless this trunk or treat event. Lord, we come to you just in a moment of saying we are broken and we need your grace. Lord, I lift up to you any in our midst here today who may be experiencing particular brokenness, depression, sorrow, whatever it may be, Lord, each of us has brokenness in our lives, and we thank you for the good news 
We thank you for the gospel that we preach to ourselves each week, that though we have sinned, though we have brokenness, you sent your sacrificial son, Jesus, to take our place, your holy son who died on the cross for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of Christ. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again. So, Lord, we pray that we would find peace and rest and life in the death and resurrection of Jesus. We love you and we thank you for what you've done for us. We continue to worship you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing together the blessed assurance we have in Christ.
Unstoppable. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's continue in worshiping together. Let's make this our prayer.
worship this song is the word is God. Word of God is a light in my darkness. Here we go. The word of God is light in my darkness. Hope for the, hope. For the hopeless, strong and true. The word of God is strength for the weary. A shield for those who trust in you. A shield for those who trust in you. Everything will fade, everything will fade, the heavens and the earth will pass away, but you will remain, yes you will remain, always. Jesus, faithful word of God, the anchor of my
Amen. Thank you for singing. You may be seated. Thank you for being here at Hebron Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Sean, and I'm glad and excited to open God's Word with you this morning. We're starting a new series just through the first three chapters of the book of 1 Samuel. So if you'd like to turn there to chapter 1, verse 1 of 1 Samuel, in your copy of God's Word or into your devices, if you'd like to use the translation that I am preaching from, it's in the Pew Bible in front of you. It's page 233, 233, and if you're turning to it, you're not going to find 233 on the top of the page. That one's blank, so you have to look for 232 on the left-hand side, so then you know it, 233. So uh, that's how you find that in your Bible this morning. Uh, just a quick update, thank you for all the prayers. Uh, three, of the five of, three of the five of us are well uh, in my house, and so we're uh, on the mend. However, three, a different set of three of the five of us can't hear on one side of our, our he, he, uh, uh, heads. So uh, if you see me doing this, it's not because I've lost interest in what we're talking about. I'm trying to hear you. Uh, so, um, but uh, just continue to pray for Sarah and Isabella and pa Franklin and Parker and myself. And I'm thankful for all the prayers uh, that you all have contacted us and uh, we've received this last week. We are starting this new series as it's uh, almost, if you can think back uh, to Christmas last year. Now, I don't want to talk about Christmas this year because some of you might get it, break out in hives, but last year we went through the book of Ruth. And right at the end of the book of Ruth, we land here in 1 Samuel. If we remember, there was the promise, a, a baby that was promised that would bring about the kingdom. And the book of 1 Samuel was really originally one book, one long book, just the book of Samuel, not 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. And in the, the important message of Samuel is that God establishes his earthly kingdom to bring about his eternal king. And that's the important message and the establishment especially in redemptive history of the book of Samuel and as we begin we're actually focusing on the namesake of the book the prophet Samuel his birth and his calling and the beginning of his ministry and we're going to be looking at that over the next two months really as we gear up towards this year's Christmas so don't don't look ahead but just and know that this time we want to look back as we start to look forward. And as we look at that today, I believe as we look at the sovereignty of God and his planning of the world and of our salvation, we come to understand that he put everything in place to bring about his eternal king. And it first begins with a prophet who would pave the way, and that's Samuel. 
And so today, we're going to actually look at a truth of this sovereignty of God brings to us that we can trust in God even in barrenness. So we're going to read together from chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 18 this morning. There was a man from Ramathim Sophim in the hill country of Ephraim. His name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zoph, an Ephraimite. They had two wives, the first named Hannah and the second Penaniah. Penaniah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man would go up to his town every year to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of armies at Shiloh, where Eli's two sons, Hophani and Phinehas, were this Lord's priests. Whenever Elkanah offered a sacrifice, he always gave portions to meet of his, uh, to his wife, Penaniah, and to each of her sons and daughters. But he gave a double portion to Hannah, for he loved her, even though the Lord had kept her from conceiving. Her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her because the Lord had kept Hannah from conceiving. Year after year, when they went up to the Lord's house, her rival taunted her in this way. Hannah would weep and would not eat. Hannah, why are you crying, her husband Elkanah would ask. Why won't you eat? Why are you troubled? Am I not better to you than ten sons? On one occasion, Hannah got up after they ate and drank at Shiloh. The priest Eli was sitting on a chair by the doorpost of the Lord's temple. Deeply hurt, deeply hurt, Hannah prayed to the Lord and wept with many tears. Making a vow, she pleaded, Lord of armies, if you will take notice of your servant's affliction, remember and not forget me and give your servant a son. I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and his hair will never be cut. While, he continued, while she continued praying in the Lord's presence, Eli watched her mouth. Hannah was praying silently, and though her lips were moving, her voice could not be heard. Eli thought she was drunk and said to her, How long are you going to be drunk? Get rid of your wine. No, my Lord, Hannah, Hannah replied. I am a woman with a broken heart. I haven't had any wine or beer. I've been pouring out my heart before the Lord. Don't think me as a wicked woman. I've been praying from the depth of my anguish and resentment. Eli responded, Go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant the request that you have made him. May your servant find favor with you, she replied. Then Hannah went on her way. She ate and no longer looked despondent. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your words are faithful and true. They will never fail us. And we come to that as we sang, trusting in your word, knowing it has the answers to eternal life, knowing that it has the answers for life, but most importantly, God, it teaches us about you. So Lord, as we come to the scriptures this morning, may the word fill our hearts, change us. And Lord, may we never be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Do you sometimes feel hopeless? We can all say maybe there's a moment in our life that we felt hopeless. Wondering if this moment, that this, this lot in life would ever change. Maybe it was the job you have or the way that you look or the way that people treat you. No, pe no one can truly escape this feeling. We've all been there. And some people can move out of that feeling easily. But then there's others who stay in it for long periods of time. Some people turn to other things to try to fill their hopelessness, get the answer to their hopelessness. Some people do all sorts of things uh, that are wrong things, harmful things, even to themselves to try to get through their hopelessness. Is there, though, the question that we come hope for our hopelessness? Well, here's the good news from our scriptures today. That even in the sense of hopelessness, there is a sovereign God who cares for you and you can turn to in the darkest times of your life. Let me just set up the scene for just a moment. Today you are in the presence, of, uh, uh, you have the privilege of being in an introductory part, so there's a lot of things you need to get caught up on. We're here still, if you would know, in the time of judges in Israel's history. And the people are in between. They are wanting good leadership, but their leadership is poor. The leadership is bad. In this time, there is no one good leader that follows God well. As a matter of fact, they're wanting and longing for a king, a true leader of God. But what God really wants for the people is for them to trust him, for them to know that he is their refuge and hope. The same God that delivered them from Egypt is the same God they can turn to in every situation in life. And yet they turn and look at the other kingdoms and say, well, maybe if we had a king, maybe we could be like them and we could be of more importance. Well, this is where they are. A people who are longing for a leader. Though they had one available at any prayer, they wanted one in place. And so the book of Samuel tells of God establishing his kingdom and his king. And as we begin, and it begins with a lineage of, of Elkna. And if we see this, we're almost thinking, well, maybe, man, this is an important guy. We've heard about like his, his dad and, and, and his, his dad's dad and his dad's dad's dad. And so maybe this is the king that we've been looking for. And then we come to find out he ain't the guy. The whole story of Elkanah is actually bringing his son Samuel. Samuel the prophet who does all important things to help God establish his kingdom, that God uses to establish his kingdom on earth that would bring his eternal king. God uses Samuel very importantly in the life of Saul and then in the life of David. And we see this prophet has a very important role as we will read over the next couple of weeks. And as we see this story unfold, we are then met with Hannah. Hannah, Samuel's mom, who we see is not able to have children. 
that she is stressed, she is persecuted from every side. And as we see, as she even says to herself that she admits that she is helpless, that she prays because she is in anguish and resentment. These are the hallmarks of those who are in hopeless feeling. But what we see in this text is a sovereign God who is even at work in the midst of Hannah's barrenness. In many ways, Hannah is the illustration of the people of Israel at the time that they were hopeless, but God, unbeknownst to them, was working things out for the salvation of the world. And we see a sovereign God whom Hannah puts her trust in. And in the time of barrenness, in our lives, hopelessness, we should trust in God. Are you facing that today? Have you faced that recently? Maybe you are, as Hannah, experiencing or have experienced infertility or hopelessness. Maybe you feel worthless because of your place in life. Maybe because it was a job that you thought was lined up and didn't come through. Maybe you're struggling with your identity in school. Maybe you just feel worthless and helpless and no matter what we, you feel, the result is barren. But good news, brother and sister. God cares for you and loves you. And as we see in Hannah's response, it reminds us that God is sovereign and at work even in our darkest days. There are three things that we can do as we trust God during seasons of barrenness. So number one, if you're taking your notes on your phone or in the back of the bulletin, number one, gaze at God's sovereign control over your life. During times of barrenness, hopelessness, gaze at God's sovereign control over your life. At your greatest times of helplessness, it's best to remind yourself that God is sovereignly in control of your life. He's not asleep at the wheel. He's in control. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that he cares greatly. Hannah's life was in the darkest place. Why? Well, number one, we find first she's in a polygamous marriage that her husband had taken two wives. Now let me just stop because this seems to be kind of cultural response to Christianity and the Bible and say, oh look, the scriptures are saying that that's, it's okay to marry more than one person. Well, I would just say those people who say that don't read their Bible. That's usually what happens. And they don't really understand the teaching of God's Word because from Genesis to Revelation, God puts forth the plan of one man, one woman in a marriage together. Now, we see that culturally in the Old Testament that some, not all, do participate in having multiple wives. But what we see clearly in the Scripture is A, the scriptures and therefore God himself never says it's okay they never prescribe it and they never condone it as a matter of fact I think they go out of their way to show and that it is hurtful harmful destructive to the family and every one of the men and women involved in polygamous marriages there is disaster 
And so we see that in the midst of what Hannah is, is going through, there is a rivalry, there is a feeling of loneliness, and a matter of being hurt. Secondly, we see that she's unable to conceive children. This is a heavier burden in those days than it is today. Now, I don't want to make light because I know, having gone through a time ourselves of not being able to have a child, the, the hurt and stress and pain that it is to not have children. But in those days, there was cultural and lively uh, uh, hurt for a woman to not be able to conceive. Why was that? Well, first, Israel was an agrarian society. That meant that they farmed, that they had to produce. To have sons meant more workers. More workers meant more produce. More produce meant more money. More money meant a different place in society. And so to have no sons, then that meant a, a, a problem in society. Well, secondly, Hannah lived in an age that it was before Social Security and a 401k. Children were a retirement plan. Who was going to take care of them when they were older? How were they going to provide for themselves when they are no longer of working age? Well, children, uh, couples who had children had them take care of them, and that is why it was important because there was no other person or place to, to, to care for them, as well as the way to continue uh, uh, to will or deed land. It, uh, it followed the children. Third, having children were necessary for the survival of a nation. A nation to defend itself from all sides needed to have more soldiers, more men of fighting age, and therefore those who, women who had lots of sons were treated with honor, and those who were unable to bear children felt useless, experienced shame, and had pity rather than respect. We also see as a theme of the scriptures of the Old Testament that barrenness is a metaphor of hopelessness. We, pray, we read that scripture earlier. The good news that we find in Christ, the barrenness of, of the woman that is shown in, in figurative language is always answered by the promises and hope and salvation in God. And our hopelessness is always met in God. And on top of this, as we see for Hannah's sake, every year when they would go to the temple, Elkanah and Penaniah, mostly Penaniah, would make fun, fun of her and pour salt in the wounds of her misery. Now, verse 6, we see this. It says, her rival would taunt her severely just to provoke her. This Hebrew word is very unusual because literally means to thunder, to roar, or to storm. This is sort of a word that might be caught, someone caught in a hurricane. Tim Keller said in his sermon in this passage that the Bible only uses this word this one time not describing a storm. In other words, every other time it's used, it's used in describing a storm. And here, it's described the emotions that Hannah was experiencing. In other words, Hannah's emotions were thundering and roaring like a hurricane. Her, her insides were 
abuzz. She was downcast. She was mad. She was in anguish. She was upset. She was hopeless. In the midst of this hopeless feeling, Hannah makes a choice. Different from her husband and different from her rival. She gets up and goes to the Lord. She gets up and goes to the Lord to pray. She goes to God because she understands that it is He who is sovereign over all things. That it is He who has the answer to all things. Hannah goes to the Lord because he know, she knows He's in control even of her womb. Why do we say that? Because the narrator tells us twice that it was God who had closed her womb. This knowledge helps us and Hannah to see that God is sovereign over all things, good and bad. And this knowledge led Hannah to act in a different way from her husband and her rival in a way with the logic of faith. And the logic of faith. You see, some might respond to this situation with fatalism. When they think of sovereignty of God, of God's in control of all things, they, they might say, well, what are we to do? God's in control. We kind of give up. God's just working things out. That's not what the scriptures call us to do. That's not the logic of real faith in God. Alternatively, some people in the tragic experience of their life lead to, lead to resentment. They say, if this is God done this to me, then I want nothing to do with him. That's not the logic of faith in which Hannah responded either. Faith in God and the logic of faith means knowing that trusting God's sovereignty and his goodness towards us, that it is saying <clears throat> that I know that God is in control for his sovereign purposes, for his sovereign plan, for his good for me. That is the promise of Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Faith in God, therefore, leads us out of our troubles to go to the God who is sovereign over all things. <clears throat> Friends, we don't know what God is doing in our life. and We don't know what God's doing in the midst of our suffering. Hannah, even in the midst of everything that she is going through, doesn't realize what we know that God is doing. <clears throat> God is using her and using her family and will use the new king to bring about salvation to the world. He is using Hannah as one step closer to the Savior's coming. And think of the countless people who will come to Christ through her faithfulness. But also, friends, in the midst of our own suffering, we need to be reminded of the countless people that God will use for us to impact in our suffering. This cannot be discounted. God is working his plan of redemption, and we need to gaze at this wonderful truth that God is in control. John Chrysostom says, even if we are suffering grief and pain, even in the trouble seems insupportable to us, let us not be anguished or beside ourselves, but wait on God's providence. 
He is well aware, after all, when it is time for what is causing us depression to be removed. It is not out of hatred, in fact, or out of revulsion that God closed Hannah's womb, but to open to us the doors on the values the woman possessed and to far us to espy the riches of her faith and realize that he rendered her more fruitful on that account. Brother, sister, when you're in a hurricane of hopelessness, set your eyes on God. Set your eyes on the sovereign work of God. And your faith in God is still at work doing things that you don't know. So don't lose heart because God is in control. Now, that may be we first need to do is fix our gaze to God. But some of us might need to do some deeper-rooted work with the Lord. So when you're facing hopelessness, number two, see your identity is defined in God and not in your weakness. When you're facing hopelessness, see your identity is defined in God, not in your weakness. Many of us will have to take the next step that Hannah did by not allowing her weakness to be her identity. Now, we know that this happened over years. This was not the problem happened and she got there, friends. This was the Lord working on her for many years. And what she did as she turned her eyes upon the God, she redefined her success, not how the world saw it, but how God sees it. And Hannah proceeds with a desperate prayer before God. One, that when she goes to the Lord in anguish, that she is in resentment, she said she is pouring every emotion out to God on the steps of the temple that Eli looks and sees. It looks like she's gotten a hold of some Kentucky bourbon or something. We, what is this crazy woman doing here and praying out in this way? But she was so emotive and pouring out to God. And what did she pray? She vowed to the Lord that if he would give her a son, that she would give him back to God. Oh, friends, may we get to a place that we could pray that way. That the answer that the world thought for her was a son, and it would clear everything up. But what did Hannah do? She instead said that, God, if you would give me a son, I would give him up in order to serve you. She gave a Nazarite vow where she said that uh, he will be live in the temple. I will not cut his hair. That his everything was given to him for the sake of the Lord. So what did she do? That everything that would have been valuable about her receiving the answer to her prayer would have been given away to God. Her son would not grow up in her house. She would not have emotional support. She would not have an inheritance. She would not have a land allotment. Instead, Hannah prayed for a son, but laid every side, aside every benefit a son would have given her. And yet, Hannah went away no longer sad. How did she get there? What does this mean? What happened in Hannah's heart? You see, Hannah's joy became no longer dependent on a son, 
but her joy was dependent on God. Her joy was that she had found hope in God. Her joy was that she found that she was a daughter of the king, that she was worthy, that he was great, and that serving him meant everything instead of anything else she could imagine. That it was the God of her salvation, that this discovery anchored her soul to the rock that quieted the, the calm storms of her heart. She came to the hope that we found in Psalm 43, 5. Why, my soul, are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God, for I will still praise him, my Savior and my God. Brother and sister, we all crown someone or something king in our lives. Whether it's irreligious or religious, we put something as more valuable the irreligious will put anything other than Jesus as king. Anything that brings enjoyment, wealth, status. But so to the religious. Something in addition to Jesus. Jesus and this will make me happy. Jesus and this will bring me to the place that I need to go. But where Hannah found was that it is only God himself that can bring us joy. It is only God himself who is the treasure. And that is the point of the Bible, is that knowing as Jesus is enough, that he is life, he is stability, he is security. Most of our heart hurt and dis disappointment comes from seeking another king besides God. We are disappointed, hurt, or stressed. These feelings indicate often it's because we've placed another little K king in our life is most important either sort of feelings like a smoke from a fire you can follow the smoke back to the source of the fire follow those feelings that you're feeling back to its source and you'll find that you have built the thing that you're worshiping on as the most important thing some people build their happiness on a relationship those who are maybe single or or bitter or despondent that they think that a relationship will be the answer to that. Well, friend, I hate to tell you, but if you're bitter and despondent now, you're probably just going to be, uh, and single, you're probably just going to be bitter, despondent, and married. Because relationship does not fix that. You can look to other things. Maybe it's the next job. Maybe it's it's something else. And, and uh Hollywood would, would say that it's, that, uh, that it's love that all you need. That's what the world pushes. It's just the next relationship, the next person. As a matter of fact, Elkanah tried to be that, that hole in her heart. Elkanah said, am I not as good as ten sons? Can I, can I not be as good to you that you're what you're feeling? But friends, there is nothing that can fill the God-shaped hole in our life. In Hannah's story, her pain in vain attempts to mask that thing is replicated in us in many different ways. Some people turn to drugs and alcohol. Some others just adopt an attitude of cynicism or retreat into loathing. But Hannah's story helps us to see it as putting our identity not in these things, but in the true capital K King, God himself. And you know, this is very familiar to a story that we would read 
that happens many years later in Bethlehem. That Mary, who really wasn't looking for a son at that time, she wasn't married, she hadn't slept with a man, and yet was conceived by the Holy Spirit, one in her. And she could have responded just as the world because she was giving up a lot. Public resentment, being cast aside. She could have turned and ran, but instead, what did she see? You are the hope of my salvation, God. I will obey you. And like Hannah, however, Mary grasped the gospel. She understood that God was a more certain source of identity and reputation than family and than money. When we realize our real shame and brokenness is not us, but it is our sin and the not the facts that we can't have kids or not have the job that we want or are not liked by the same certain people, that we're not successful. Our real shame is from that we're separated from God, our relationship to the Creator. We don't need children or more money or relationship. We need to be reunited with God. And that is our hope. And that happens through Jesus Christ. Brother or sister, is there something in your life that you've elevated to the little K king in your life? Is there something that is more valuable to you that you feel that if you've lost it, that you've lost everything? The term worth can mean weight. When we think something is worthy, we put our weight on it, that we think it will support us. Brother and sister, I, I'm afraid we put our weight on the things that often fail us, the things that crush under the pressure that we put. Instead, we should put our worth and our hope on something that will never fail, God himself, Jesus Christ and his gospel. If we put our hope in him and our identity in him, it will never fail. Brother, sister, is there something that you are creating, an identity for yourself, instead of your identity in God. And if there is, you need to turn to God and look at the world and your troubles how he sees it, not how you and the world sees it. If there's anything that Hannah was faithful, we know that she was faithful in prayer. So number three, pray and leave your troubles with God, committing the outcome to him. Verse 16 to 18, we see what he, she does. She goes to the temple to pray. That She, she pours her help, heart out to the Lord. A Christian who prays and leaves their burdens to the Lord is a Christian who is at peace. And Hannah explains to the priest that she is not drunk. <laughs> She's just crying out in anguish. What does he respond? Verse 17, go at peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. And she replies, may your servant find favor in your eyes. The word Hannah, the name Hannah means favored. So she was punning her name a little bit. She says, may the favored one be favored. Hannah eats. It's a sign that she's no longer in anguish. And what does it say? She no longer looked despondent this is really striking hannah does not know 
the answer to her prayer. But she has prayed and left it in the hand of God. She is a model of the truth expressed in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything, but in everything. What's that word again? Okay, two of you know that word. Okay, back in fifth grade, we learned that word. Everything, okay? Don't worry about anything, but in? Thank you. Through prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus Hannah presented her request to God and what happened the God of peace entered her life she was no longer in the hurricane and it's just as we read Jesus said to the wind and waves be still God said to her heart, be still. Now, we might expect the order. How might we expect the order of things to go? How would we have ordered it up? That Hannah prayed, that she gets pregnant, and then Hannah is joyful, right? That's how we would have written that. But what do we find? Something different happens in the order that we find. Hannah prays. She's joyful. Then she gets pregnant. She didn't know the end result. Hannah's experience shows us that two things happen when God's people's praise and faith to him. First, that God changes us. That when we come in prayer, we acknowledge it's him who is above all things. That we are not the ones who can make things work. That it is, that it is not us that have the answer to all things. It is him when Hannah entered in the prayer, shattered and depressed, she rose and went away, no longer despondent because she was renewed in faith because just as Hebrews says, it is assurance of the things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. She knows that God is sovereign over all things. And it changed her. To focus our hearts on God is to remember that the Lord is reigning and invites us into his presence and he blesses those with good, wise counsel and sovereign will. And therefore, there's a chief resource that comes from prayer. When we mine in prayer, we come away with peace and joy. And that was Peter's counsel when he says, cast all your anxieties on God because he cares for you. But not only does it change us, but it changes things. God is pleased to act in the response of prayer. And some people react to the knowledge of God's sovereignty by thinking that prayer, therefore, does not matter. But Hannah's story shows that God works through prayer. John Woodhouse comments that, that her turning to the Lord will turn out to change not only her life, but the life of a nation, and indeed, the history of the world. And faith in God, therefore, leads us to troubles, in our troubles, to pray to God who is sovereign over all things. Brother, sister, the scriptures do not promise that every prayer will turn out in every way that we pray. We will not all get the happy ending that Hannah receives in her prayer. There's those who struggle with unanswered prayers, unsaved children, unsaved marriages, unsaved spouses, dark and hurtful experiences, but what we see 
in the midst of the darkness, there is a God who has the phone off the hook listening for us, listening to what we need. He cares for us and is operating all things out to according to his goodwill. And we can hold fast because he's holding us fast. So brother or sister, we need to go to the Lord in prayer. How is your regular prayer life? How are you turning things over to God? Because I would say that probably your level of anxiety is probably matched by your lack of prayer. Maybe you need to turn things over to the Lord. So brother and sister, if you're focused and you're going through a barren time, I hope you see the good hope that is found in these first 18 verses of Samuel. There is hope for you, but there is a God who is over all things in your life. So run to Him. Turn to Him. Put your hope in Him. Trust in Him. And if you don't know this God and you've been separated from Him, turn to the one who He sent to die for you. All those times we see that Jesus, uh, God here, answered Hannah's prayer. But there was a time later on that he did not answer the prayer of Jesus that the cup would pass from him. Why did he not answer Jesus? Because through Jesus, he brought salvation to the world. Jesus took all of our sin. He died on the cross. So if you are far from God, trust in Jesus Christ who has made the way to be restored to God in the same way, just like Hannah, you will know and come to him for every burden and problem in your life. If you're focused and facing a barren time, don't run from God, but run to him. Would you close your eyes for just a moment? If you are here this morning and you're facing a barren time, just give that that situation and that problem to the Lord right now. Trust in Him. See that He's working things out for you. And if you're not there, ask God right now, God, reveal this to me. Show me, help my heart to have great faith in you. Maybe you're here this morning and you haven't trusted in God for salvation. Cry out to God in faith today. Say, God, I know that in my biggest hopelessness, in my sin, you sent your son, Jesus Christ. Just as you promised through the word, you brought him to die on the cross, to die for our sins and raised to life three days later. I put my trust in him. And by faith, I declare him as king and I will live for you. Friend, if you want to pray that today, if you are praying that today, then the God of heavens will draw you near. I'll be near the Next Steps desk at the end of our service if you'd like to come to the side to talk about salvation or, or have prayer for a barren time that you're facing right now or maybe talk about baptism. I'll be available to you. But let us be thankful that there's a God with us during barren times. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the promise of your word.
that you are sovereign over all things, that you are in control. It is in your character and our confidence in you that we can face them. And God, may we turn to you during these difficult days. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet and let's sing in faith together.
couple of quick things <clears throat> as we close up prepare for your time of offering that we'll be taking here in just a minute just a quick couple of announcements gospel to every home it's four to six today i hope that you can come and be part of our teams as they go out um, uh, so uh, again if you've not gone we will make sure that you're with a veteran and you will not be on your own so we hope that you'll come be a part of that next week as alan says our trunk and treat we still need we'd love to have a couple more trunks available because we have so many people that will be coming so if you could uh look and think hey i can do this i can put my truck or car or van or dune buggy or whatever and i can sit and just hand out candy to kids uh we hope that you would do that next sunday sign up today on your way out if you would like uh, to donate candy please do that as well and bring it next sunday um, also, today is the last Sunday to get the coats for kids. Uh, we uh, thank you for your turnout last week. We only have six left, so if you have not gotten one, we hope that you do it today because we're putting that tree away. And if you've got a leaf with the, the number and the size, next Sunday is when you need to bring that coat back. So that's next Sunday. Now, the way you do that is when you bring your coat, just put it in a small trash bag, plastic bag, um, and then put the, the leaf on the outside of that bag, and then you can drop it off in the office. But that's, they asked that, that's how we want it uh, returned, that's how they want it delivered, so that's how we do it. So uh, if you've already turned yours in, and that's not how you did it, that's fine. They'll put it in a bag. But for the many of you who will be bringing it next Sunday, uh, put it in a little uh, trash bag, and then put the leaf on the outside uh, so that we know what it is. And again, if you'd like to donate money, uh, CK, uh, she's uh, back with us this week, and you can get the money to her. And there's six coats left, so grab yours this morning. Uh, number four. Oh, very important. New members class. If you've been attending for a while or would like to know more about membership at Hebrew Baptist Church or know more about the, the vision of the church, a new members class is available uh, November 2nd and 9th that's here in just a, a two weeks actually two Wednesdays so if you want to learn uh, if you just want to come learn more about the church first and then join or if you'd like to join and then take the class or if you just if you're interested in membership or just want to know more this is a great class for you stop by the next steps desk this morning because you need to get some paperwork and a book so those are very important that you stop by and get those this morning if you plan to attend now uh, we've worshiped through song through scripture through prayer all the ways that god's word gives us but we also worship through our giving you can do so electronically by scanning this right here on the screen or there's a card right in your thing if you want to give electronically or if you want to give physically we're about to take an offering now so let's pray as we do that heavenly father thank you so much for all the ministries that you allow us to do here in northern kentucky and we we do that that is fueled by money and that's how we do ministry and we know that lord you have provided through your people great faithfulness and and uh, lord we just pray that you would continue to develop gracious and uh, generous giving in us and through us and so lord as we give this morning may you bless this gift and that it multiply to set the gospel here in northern Kentucky, to the nations. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. While you pass, place, build a free to sing along.
Amen. Amen. May that be true of us as we go from this place. Have a great week. Till my guilty soul imploring turn to Calvary.